This is Village Vice. I'm Zach Blackerby, and he is America's favorite man, Brad Law. And we're recording this a few minutes after Hugh Freeze wrapped up his press conference, his Monday morning, I guess, technically, press conference. And we'll talk about some of the comments that he said, Brad, making UMass sound like probably a more formidable foe than they actually are. But the big takeaway and the big talking point is going to be the depth chart mm-hmm. that was in the packet, the media packet, that people who were in attendance were handed before Hugh Freeze got going. But it's a little weird, Brad, because Hugh was asked about it, and Coach was like, well, I don't like depth charts. I don't even know how you guys got that. I don't know what that is. Uh, So some people are going to say, oh, this doesn't mean anything. I disagree. I do think it means something. The person who did make it, they didn't just throw random names on there. All the names that are on there make sense. There are a few surprises, and we'll discuss those in a second, but Brad, I do think this still means something. Yeah, clearly it does, if, if for nothing else than the rotation. But I, I thought it was interesting. Hugh Freeze treated it like a pinata. He was asked about it, and he just took a bat to it and beat the devil out of the whole concept of a depth chart. We, however, be it media, be it fans, or a combination of both, sometimes in the same people, um, we take it like the candy that comes out of the pinata. We're fine. If you want to beat it to death, that's fine. We'll take all the goodness that comes out of it put it in the bag and, and take it with us until game day. So we will be discussing it today. Yeah. Some of the candy, some of the goodness that fell out. Peyton Thorne is the starter. I did think it was interesting under quarterbacks. It had Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner for mm-hmm. the second slash third string. That surprised me. I kind of assumed it would be Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, then Holden Gurner. And then the one I expected an or from would be the running back room. Jarquez Hunter, the starter. I expected a Damari Austin or a Brian Batty, Brad, because they're both going to kind of have different roles in the offense. But no, it's pretty straightforward. It's Jarquez Hunter, according to the depth chart. Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Brian Batty, both of those two positions, uh, surprised by very minor details in them. Right. And you could read into it a whole lot if you want to and say, well, does it, does it mean that when it's not Peyton, that it could be either one of, of the two, Robbie or yeah. uh, or Holden, depending on what you want to do, depending on the package. Like if it's not number one on the depth chart, what determines whether or not it's the next guy or you know 1A or, or 1B, where in the running back room, is it pretty straightforward? If it's not Jarquez Hunter, then look for deuces. Look for Damari Austin. Is is there a package where Betty is in? Or there we've talked before. Are there packages where multiple running backs are on the field at the same time? It's Man. been a while since we've seen uh, since we've seen uh, the running back depth chart without an or in it. This looks like a clear delineation. That's true. Uh, tight end Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal, and then Tyler Fromm or Brendan Frazier. And then uh, Michael Riley Ducker is also, he's also on there. Mm-hmm. I think the tight ends are kind of separated by like the guys you feel comfortable throwing the football to and the guys that you feel like kind of putting at that big slot type role mm-hmm. versus the guys that you see kind of these inline tight ends, more like a Luke deal. Um, I, I don't know how else you would really list this unless you just kind of had like two different types of tight ends. So the way they listed this, in my opinion, Brad, I think it makes sense. Yep, I I agree. And as far as we know, everybody's healthy in that tight end room, so you're not having to deal with that. To go back to the quarterback spot in just a moment, Coach Freeze did mention that Robbie's dealing with a little bit of an oblique uh, issue. He expects him to play. He said he won't be surprised if he he plays anyway on Saturday against UMass. Uh, But I did wonder if that was an issue with, or if that was maybe one of the reasons there was an or 
there is if yeah. he doesn't see the field, it may not necessarily be because he's not the guy or not next up. Uh, but if they just felt like at that point in time, the oblique wasn't worth the risk, then, you know, maybe that could explain it. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things against Robbie, right? Has been, can he stay healthy and in his style of play? Like you need that. And yeah. I mean, he was getting hurt in spring and he got hurt this fall with, I mean, this oblique situation, uh, no contact. And so yeah. like, what is, what does that mean? You got, you've got to be available. Uh, let's skip the wide receivers. We'll talk okay. more about the pass catchers in a second, yep. Brad. But the offensive line is like what we saw for most of fall camp, not at the end of fall camp. So right. from left to right, Dylan Wade, Jeremiah Wright, Avery Jones, Cam Stutz, and Gunnar Britton. Lately, we've seen, wow, lately we've seen Gunnar Britton move from right tackle to left guard, and we've seen Xavion Miller at that right tackle spot. So the first official depth chart Mm -hmm. is the group that we've seen for most of fall camp that I don't know if it surprised me, but it definitely stood out to me. It did surprise me. I expected to see Isaiah Miller uh, listed as, as the number one guy at right tackle, just because we had heard so much about him and from the head coach himself that you're going to have to play him. Now, if you go back and again, and you don't try too hard to dissect it too deeply, what coach freeze could have been saying was, well, he, he's in the rotation. Whereas, you know, maybe we were going to get him eight snaps a game before. Now he's going to get 24 or something like that. I'm very curious to see how many different offensive linemen play and in what combinations they play and at what stage of the game, close game, not close game, we yeah. see those offensive linemen rotate on Saturday. Yeah, sorry, Brad, if I just spoke over you there. A little uh, connection issue on my end. Yeah, and, and I was surprised Jaden Muskrat listed as the backup left tackle. Um, we've seen him more at guard than anywhere yeah. else. Kate Johnson listing at the backup left guard, which makes sense. He and Jeremiah Wright have been kind of battling for that spot. Connor Lewis, backup center, makes sense. Julio Irvin at right guard. We've seen Irvin all over the place. So yeah. uh, nothing too surprising in the too deep there. On the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line pretty much went chalk. There have been some discussions on like who the technical starting Jack would be. They've got Elijah McAllister listed as a starting Jack. And then they've got Steven Sings and Jalen McLeod with an or situation. I think mm -hmm. we're going to see different Jacks depending on the down and distance. I just I think agree. passing downs, you're going to see not Elijah McAllister. I think you're going to see the other two guys there. Um, Messiah Nassili Kite, the starting defensive end, that's been pretty consistent what we've seen so far throughout yeah. camp. Unless it's been Keldrick Falk, right? Um, but going with Messiah uh, on this depth chart, at least. And knows it's been Jason Jones all fall. Of course, it's Jason Jones here ahead of Justin Rogers. Then a defensive tackle, Marcus Harris ahead of Lawrence Johnson. So nothing crazy there because I think we're going to see Messiah and Keldrick mm -hmm. pretty similarly. I think the market share of snaps at defensive ends is going to be split between those two guys pretty fairly. And then the Jack linebacker spot, I think we're going to see all three of those guys in there. Yeah, I agree. And I think two of the guys that are going to be so key for this team are listed are listed anyway on, on the depth chart as top backups at, at their spots. Lawrence Johnson, Justin Rogers, these guys have the experience at the D1 power conference level. And, and you must have depth on the defensive line. So starters or not, these guys must play pivotal roles for this team to, to be at the level it needs to be defensively to uh, to compete. And 
We'll get into some more of the, the press conference reaction, but how much the defense is asked to do versus what the offense wants to do from a time of possession perspective. I, I think we got a little insight to that in the, in the press conference Ooh. today. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Brad will jump into that in a second. Uh, and then my biggest surprise of the depth chart viewing is Austin key starting at linebacker. And then the other starting linebacker was cam Riley, mm -hmm. not Eugene Asante, not Larry Nixon. The third, oh. it was cam Riley. So that surprised me. Um, we have seen that towards the end of fall camp, cam Riley there. And I think physically just from, you know, the traits that, you know, God gave him, like, that makes sense. It's just, can he, can he put it all together? And boy, if he can, yeah. oh, oh man, you do not want to block that guy or be tackled by Cam Riley. So hopefully this is a positive sign for this Auburn defense. Yeah. We had seen some reports recently that he was getting a look at, at edge rather than, than linebacker. So yeah. yeah, if he can come through and I think especially, I think wide receiver and linebacker are the positions where uh, it's most true that if you see an or, or, uh, well, if you see an or there, you can just count on the rotation. And I think that I think Larry Nixon III is going to play a lot of snaps. I think Eugene Asante is going to play a lot of snaps. I think it's a positive thing that Austin Keys is listed as the starter on the depth chart because I, I think that means, you know, maybe the injury stuff is in the rearview mirror and he's closer to 100% ready to go against UMass. Again, I think that linebacker spot, you're going to need as many guys as possible shuffling through there throughout the course of the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and the fact that Austin Keys is your starter after missing so much time, it's yeah. like, okay, that kind of shows what they think of Austin Keys. The defensive back room went chalk. I don't think anybody's surprised by this. DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett are your corners. Keontae Scott is your nickel slash star at free safety, Jalen Simpson, and then your other safety is Zion Puckett. Brad, I want to get your thoughts. What stood out? from Hugh Freeze's comments in just a moment as people are tuning in to Village Vice. But Brad Law, football's back, and so is winning season. At my bookie, whether it's NFL, college football, they've got a brand-new cash-out system to give you all the options to bet and win all season long. And the great thing is you can just focus on winning if you are a Village Vice viewer or listener because we're all so smart. First two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for a chance for an even bigger payday. Love parlays. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag now, register for an account for free, and when you're ready to make that first deposit, use promo code NEXTROUND to grab a welcome bonus on the house. It's free money, Brad Law. We all yeah. love free money. That is promo code NEXTROUND to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. Put it all on red, baby. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. I never liked putting it on red. I, I wish they had orange and blue instead of red and black, you know? I understand. I, I, I understand. uncomfortable putting it all on red. I get it. Um, I get it. If you need a little help, by the way, when you go to MyBookie, here's where you go first, lanceslock.com. You know, football's here. It's here. College football is here. The NFL is starting soon. We've got the preseason games. Right. So if you need some plays, go to lanceslock.com. Right now is the time. Get the best deals, uh, best price on monthly and annual packages. Sign up today for the best deal at lanceslock.com. All right, Hugh Freeze spoke to uh, the media, and I guess just everyone, because a lot of people mm -hmm. are going to watch it. What stood out to you from it? 
Brad, other than UMass sounding like a powerhouse, um, what else stood out to you? Well, that was the that was the number one thing was uh, a reminder of his experience against UMass. He's played him each of the last four seasons uh, at Liberty, and so he has seen the personnel get better year after year. He has seen the kind of change in the program under Don Brown. Don Brown is a le- was a legendary defensive coordinator at Michigan, and he was there. It's very rare, as we all know, in college football for a defensive coordinator to stay through multiple head coach transitions. Yeah. Um, but whether it was Rich Rodriguez or Brady Hoke uh, or Jim Harbaugh, Don, and even guys before, um, Don Brown was the guy at right. Michigan. And he had the opportunity to take over the program at Massachusetts. And Coach Freeze pointed out today that they were a terrible team overall. Their record was bad last year, but they were a top 10 defense nationally. So. The, the style, the scheme that they implement defensively um, and the respect for the head coach are the things that stood out to me first and foremost from what Coach Freeze had to say today. Do you buy it or is that just something he's got to say? I buy it to a degree. I, I don't think that this is just some you know random directional school at the start of the year. Oh, yeah, they got good guys. Number four scored eight touchdowns last year and you know they've got real players and we're going to have to play our best. I also don't get the sense that that Hugh Freeze gives you a lot of traditional cookie cutter um, coach speak. Sure. I don't think we've gotten a lot of that so far. So I do think there's familiarity there. I do think that Don Brown has improved the roster, and I do think what they do causes problems defensively. Obviously, they scored 21 points off three turnovers, most of them in the fourth quarter in their win over New Mexico State. Yeah, that game was a close one until – until yeah. it wasn't, right? I mean, that pick six kind of killed him. Three turnovers by New Mexico State really, and that really kind of put the icing on the cake. Because when you look at the stats, I mean, New Mexico State had more first downs than mm-hmm. UMass. They had more total yards than UMass. They were better on third down than UMass. Like, I don't think UMass was <laughs> that impressive. Yeah. Um, but the three the three turnovers did it. I mean, winning the turnover battle three nothing, you're you're probably going to win if you do that. They were opportunistic, and I think you saw some of the new clock rules come into play, and you're going to have that. So defensive changes, big plays like that, big momentum changes are going to be even more important this year because the number of plays in a game are are down and are going to mm-hmm. be down throughout the course of the season. So, you know, a, a pick six or a big change in field position on a punt return even, um, it, it matters more now. The impact of the plays is concentrated. So – I say all of that was probably genuine. At the end of the day, it comes down to the 11 guys on the field winning a one-on-one matchup, and and Auburn's 11 should be better than UMass's 11 across the board. How about him gassing up the special teams, talking about how how great Alex McPherson and Oscar Chapman, Auburn's kicker and punter tandem are. He said it's like the best group of specialists he's ever had the chance to coach, Mm -hmm. which I believe him, right? I mean, I I believe him when he says that just because – Auburn has always had those guys. I think Auburn kind of takes their kicking history probably a little bit for granted. I mean, the last like 20 years, they haven't really had a bad kicker yeah. or punter. So uh, I thought that was cool. I mean, we spend all this time talking about the guys in the trenches and who's going to be scoring touchdowns, but obviously um, obviously, the kicking game is going to be important. So I thought that was cool for Hugh Freeze to give them some love. I also thought it was interesting that he once again pushed all the chips to the table, to the center of the table, on the atmosphere at Jordan-Hare, even going as far as to say, 
no disrespect to the other places I've been, but I've never been at a place where the home field advantage is what it is at Jordan-Hare. That's not the yeah. exact quote, but that is the book. Essentially saying that Auburn's uh, home field advantage is it's not comparable to the other. And we all know where he's been, uh, and even if it's in the same conference in the same division, but it's just not the same. Now, those of us who know Auburn know that's the case, but I thought it was interesting that he took the time and kind of went all in on that again today. I mean, how many times do you see former SEC players go to the NFL and be asked that question? They say it's really tough to win in Auburn and Florida. I mean, those, those are the yep. most consistent ones. And people say that they love or it was intimidating playing in LSU, but it's tougher to win in Auburn or, yep. or Florida. Those are the two most common answers that we seem, seem to hear. So uh, he got to experience that when he was at Ole Miss. And uh, he gets to experience it now pretty much every week as um, as the good guy in, uh, yeah. in in orange and blue. All right, Brad, you lead us through this final topic for sure. today. You you want to talk about these pass catchers? I do, and I want to know who you think, and I want our our viewers to let us know who they think down in the comments will be the top five in receiving yards, and I need them in order. So who's going to lead? Who's number two, three on down through five, one through five in order? Because when you start to look at this roster between the returning receivers, the new receivers, the tight ends and the running backs. Yeah. I mean, I could put a roster of 16, 17 guys that could be vying for the top five. There's only one football, the number of plays per game down. So at the end of the season, one through five. This is purely receiving yards, not catches, not correct. touchdowns, receiving yards. That's correct. Shane Hooks at one. All right. I agree. I, we're both, we both have Hooks at one. Then I've got three guys. I don't know what order I want to put them in. Yeah, that's the that, fun of it. That is the fun of it. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Javarius Johnson, two. Okay. I will go Jair Shorter, three. Okay. I will go Rivaldo Fairweather four, and I will go Jarquez Hunter five. Why, Zach? This is cr this that's uncanny. Is that, that what you had? That's exactly my order. No way. That is exact. You had Javarius Johnson second, right? Yeah. I waffled between Var and uh, Jire Shorter two and three, and I waffled a little bit between Hunter and Fairweather four and five, but I do think that's. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's the order. Jire Shorter, 23 catches, but 628 yards and 11 touchdowns a season ago. Y yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing about receiving yards with Shorter. It's like if he does any type of production or if he's used similar to how he was at North Texas, he's not going to need right. 40 or 50 catches to be in this conversation, which is exciting, right? That's why that's yeah. why Auburn people were so pumped when he committed. Um Rivaldo, I think, could be the one on this list to overachieve the most. If you told me that Rivaldo Fairweather was second on the team in receiving yards when it's all said and done, it would not shock me. Okay. Because what I would think would happen in that scenario, similar like what we saw with Evan Ingram in Hugh Freeze's offenses at Ole Miss, is you had a dude, and then there was a drop-off, and it was Evan Ingram, mm -hmm. which could be you know Shane Hooks, and then Rivaldo Fairweather, and then everybody else gets like 400 yards. Yeah. Like that that wouldn't shock me at all. If you just look at the numbers in terms of, of last season and the returning production. So, you know, understand that a lot of these guys were elsewhere. 
But Hooks would have been number one at 775 yards, then Shorter at 628. Uh, then Javarius Johnson had 493 last year. Fairweather had 426. So Fairweather would be fourth in terms of returning receiving yardage. Coy Moore, it's a shame he's not full strength to start the season. He had over 300 yards receiving yeah. a season ago. So he's another guy that if he gets back to 100% and is on the field enough, uh, is capable of, of being a consistent guy. Where did Tank rank last year? Was he second? You know what? I think he was, but I don't have his numbers in front of me because I just okay. looked at the returning guys. Jarquez had sure. 17 catches for 224 yards, and he went over 70 receiving yards two times last year. Hey, speaking of Auburn receiving last year, how about Shedrick Jackson right now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> is he going to make an NFL roster? He very well might. He is a hard, hard worker. Hard worker. I'm so happy for that guy, yeah. man, because I don't know if he was like, I know he was given a shot, but he wasn't really given an opportunity, maybe is the, is the way to say it. But props uh, props to him. And yeah. like Sal Canella signing with the team too. I mean, both these guys were counted out mm -hmm. and um, they just keep grinding. So Seth good for Williams. both of those guys. Seth Williams Seth making Williams. a push at Jacksonville too. Yeah, man. So yeah. it's just kind of wild because I don't think talent has been the issue at Auburn's wide receiver room. And I think the fact that the NFL is looking at these guys is proof of that. And uh, the fact that now you've got a scheme in place that's going to allow these guys to open up, um, I don't know. I, I think seeing the preseason success for some of these Auburn guys yeah. should fire you up because the talent did not drop off. If anything, the talent took a step forward, yeah. Brad, and they finally got an offensive staff that we think is going to be able to put these guys into situations to succeed. So that's that. That's awesome. Speaking of receivers and Auburn, right? Auburn's had 2,000-yard receivers uh -huh. in its history. Wait a little later this week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a tease. A little later this week. What a tease. We got something for you. All right. All right. All right. And you could do that by clicking the subscribe button uh, on the Wardam Pods uh, YouTube page. We're so close to 1,000. Please help us get to 1,000 by, uh, by the, uh, what am I saying, kickoff Saturday? Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't We're know what all, I'm trying to say. There's so much excitement that it's finally game week. Oh, you know? We just can't find the can't words. Wait. Get to a grand by kickoff. Let's do it at the, at the War Dam Podcast. Yeah, please, uh, please help us out. Brad Law, thank you so much. Follow Brad Law on the socials at AUBradLaw. Follow me on socials at ZBlackerby. Subscribe to Village Vice and the War Dam Pods page. We'll see you next time. Brad, send us out. All right. You know, Zach, everybody has vices. Make sure one of yours is Village Vice.